This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It is another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. You're with the better Tyler today. Mr. Metcalf is, <laughs> is off. He's busy. He's not doing anything cool today. So I'm taking over. And the first person I wanted to get on this show was Mr. Gillespie. Steven, how are we doing today? I'm doing awesome, man. It's good to be on the No Ceilings Podcast. Uh, kind of like how um, you know Maxwell said the other day, I listen to the show all the time. And I'm going to be the lesser man. I am going to listen to myself because I love the show so much. But, um, you know, I'm excited to be here, dude. How are you doing? I'm doing good. You know, I'm hanging in there. Um, Last night with the national championship ending, you know, for anyone listening that hasn't been on our site today. But uh, I wrote a very long piece about basically, I feel like when the buzzer goes off, the floodgates for draft season officially fly open. So now I'm just, I'm ready to roll. Like turn on the film and, you know, hit the coffee, the espresso machine, and I'm ready to go. But I mean, let's, let's talk about the, you know, we have some fun stuff planned, but I want to talk first, like, let's, let's put the bow on the entire college basketball season. Let's talk about the title game. What were your thoughts? You know, unbelievable comeback from Kansas. I wasn't even ready for it, but it was just like a, a fury of storm. I, I thought it was really impressive kind of how they came back from that, you know, down 15 at halftime. They just, Mm -hmm never seemed to give up they they hit the ground running right in those first couple of minutes so what what do you think of the game let's 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 put the bow on it let's let's finish this one off before we really get after it yeah so it was a fun game dude uh you know I, I came into the game wanting Kansas to win I felt like they were the better team and you know not to undersell the incredible season that Carolina had right you know you and I were talking offline how cool was it that coach Davis for UNC was able to make the national championship in his rookie season as being a head coach and, you know, being in the same conference as Duke, it didn't help that he was kind of overshadowed by the, uh, the swan song, every other game that could have potentially been coach K's last game. Meanwhile, coach Davis is coaching this team that was, was seated probably incorrectly, but at, you know, they, they were, they, they played the hand that they were dealt. I thought that they did a good job of beating a lot of giants on the way to the national title game and you know they came out swinging in the first half but that second half like you just talked about man it was uh it was crazy just to see Kansas come back the composure of coach self Ochai Baji came out strong in the first half and the rest of the team came out and helped them out finally in the second half and it was a fun game down to the wire yeah you know we were talking about it like you said off air um what Hubert Davis did in his first year is just absolutely incredible I mean you're talking about a team that you know, last year with Roy Williams in his final season, you know, they didn't I think they ended up like 19 and 11 um, Walker Kessler transfers. You know, they didn't bring in a bunch of, you know, high prospects. They just kind of had yep. that team and 
what he did, you know, exactly what you're talking about, Stephen, like the path they had to take to get there. I mean, they had to take on Baylor. They had to take, they had to take on so many other UCLA, teams. Yeah. UCLA, um, you know, St. Peter's were, who was just momentum flying all over the place. And it was just a really, really impressive Duke. run for them. You know? Yeah. Duke. Yeah. Sorry about those Duke guys trying to prevent myself. Might've heard that. of them, you know? Yeah. I've, I've <laughs> have PTSD from too many coach K final game narrative so oh boy um no shout out north carolina it was just really impressive i thought even when kansas came back and you were like "Uh oh north carolina's in trouble they just kept bringing it and it was like heavyweight blows left and right and you know big shot by mccormick down the end when he had that rebound with the sky hook going back up and yep. you know i was convinced that caleb love was almost going to hit that three um to send it to overtime but I don't know if I could have processed that seeing it was like 1030 <laughs> when the game was over, but um, that yeah, would have definitely even... made the, uh, the lottery buzz a little bit more hot. Oh yeah. That we were yeah he would have been a top for... 10 pick if he hit that shot. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what else do you got? You got any other thoughts or are you just eager to get after it with some draft talk? I just, I'll point out, you know, Baycott was an absolute freaking warrior. I mean, he had the, the rolled ankle a couple times, uh, you know, the whole floorboard thing. I didn't even notice that when I was watching it in real time, but, watching all the clips and stuff that were flooding on social media about that being the reason why he, he rolled his ankle and had to limp back on, on the other end. It was, it was tough to see, man, but Brady Manick took a couple of big hits to the dome a few times in this game and kept going. Uh, I was, I have grown to become a big Manick fan. um, And you probably will be hearing his name on this uh, mock draft that we're going to be doing today. Maybe, maybe not. I hope not. (laughs) Maybe not. I really hope not. You'll understand why later. Yeah, yeah, but um, I, I've grown to love him. Ultimately, though, man, North Carolina um gave it their best shot, but I was really happy to see uh you know Ochai Baji step up. Christian Brown had a big second half. Uh, Jalen Wilson finally was able to hit some layups, and McCormick had had big moments like you touched on. Yeah, okay, we did the deed. Um, for everyone yes. listening, you know, you know why you're here. You're here to listen to some draft talk and me and Steven yeah. have a little bit of a wild, fun exercise brewing up. It's either going to be glorious and everyone's going to love it, or it's going to be just <laughs> pretty much a dumpster fire. Either way, we're going to have some fun. So here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to talk about the draft lottery and, you know, we're going to title this one lottery fits. So basically me and Steven have kind of you know mad scientist this segment um Mm. what we're gonna do is we're gonna alternate going pick by pick and one of us is gonna act as the general manager the other is going to act as the assistant general manager the assistant general manager is going to recommend three prospects for each pick now once a prospect is selected. We can't discuss them anymore. So if Chet Holmgren goes first, we can't talk about Chet for any of the other picks. We can't be like, oh, well, Chet would have been great here. No, we're, we're, we're making a fake big board and we're crossing <laughs> names off as we go on. Chet um, fits a lot of these teams. Yes, so unfortunately, I mean, that would be Chet, very fun. Yeah. Well, if we got to the 12th pick, I think Chet would probably fit there too. Um, <laughs> but do I have everything, Steven? Am I forgetting anything? We're going to so, oh, so two prospects and a wild card. Yes, yes. And a so, wild card, which is going to be very horrifying if you're already hinting about Brady Manic. We'll get him off the board early. We'll just take him number one and we'll call it a day. We don't have to talk about him anymore after that. <laughs> so, 
So what we're also, what's going to be important is, you know, the assistant GM is going to recommend three prospects, but the general manager is going to have final say. So Steven yeah. could give me the greatest pitch on a player and I could say, Hey, Steven, you're great, but screw you. I'm, I'm making this <laughs> pick anyways. And vice versa. He could tell me, you know, you're terrible. I don't care. So I don't hate it. Fun. I just don't like it at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. So, um, no, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a little a wacky and wild, but I wanted to basically do this to basically talk about prospects that might fit where it's, you know, the NBA season's about to come to an end. We got like three or four games left with each team. So there's going to be some, some fan bases that want to kind of open their mind about what prospects should they be looking at? What prospects should they be scouting? Who do they need to be diving on YouTube at two in the morning to watch some highlight tapes? So I kind of yeah, who wasn't to in this. the tournament that they need to be like, oh, okay, that's why Brady Manick shouldn't be a number or a first round pick because right. of all these other guys that we didn't get a chance to watch yet. <laughs> exactly. So I think this is going to be fun. Um, I think it's going to be educational for a lot of fan bases that are trying to be like, okay, who should I start getting myself familiar with? So Steven, as always, the guest has the honor. Um, we're going off of current tankathon order. So the Orlando Magic yeah. are first. Do you want to be general manager or do you want me to be general manager? Since I am the uh, the big time guest, I would like to be the general manager. The okay. The final say first. Is that okay? Can yeah. We do that? So I got to be car salesman. Let's go. Let's yeah, go. Yeah. I'm extremely humble. So okay. we'll, we'll get this going. So Orlando, we've got, you know, a stable of guards. Um mm. Jalen Suggs looks like he's up for next year. He's going to have another sophomore leap. Um, you know, we've got a plethora of young athletic ball handlers that want to run wild. We, we got RJ Hampton. We got Markel Fultz. You know, we've got, we got everyone. Um, mm -hmm. Franz Wagner looks like he's going to be a, a, an absolute steal for this team. He looks like he's going to be ready for a huge leap. So we got a nice wing. Wendell Carter is having a revolution experience. And if he doesn't stop wearing those goggles, I'm going to be <laughs> so happy. He needs to wear them forever. We need to get him some Horace Grant ones though. Okay. Being serious yeah. though, we, we kind of need a big, um, we have a history of taking 45 forwards. Um, you know, Chumo Kiki still on that roster, but we need to get a big, okay. if not, we also potentially need to get one of these top, you know, weapons. So, Chad Holmgren does a lot of special stuff on the court. You know, he's, he's, he's got an obvious weakness, you know, frame shame that I, I talked about on mm. my article. Um, he's going to need to bulk up, but really gifted defender. Um, great, outstanding defensive awareness. Although he's thin framed, he battles. He's competitive. He's nasty. Can space the floor. Can also kind of help out, you know, his pick and pop presence probably with Suggs would be very, very intriguing. Okay. Paulo Bancaro probably would be a very, very big addition to our offense because of his offensive versatility, but he also very, very gifted playmaker who really mm. could do some special stuff with, you know, kind of almost running the offense from the top of the key. And then Jabari Smith is just a six ten forward that just shoots the shit out of the ball from 10 feet beyond the arc. So we got a lot of interesting options. Um, you know, Jabari's probably got one of the higher upsides and really showed some strides as a defender this year. 
Chet kind of is more of the defensive minded with offensive upside. And then Paulo's kind of the offensive weaponry. Okay. How, how did I do? Did I sell you this pen? I feel like that was uh, a pretty good start. I like that. that intense, but I feel pretty good about it. I mean, coming into this, like, even though I'm just a general manager and only started watching college basketball like the last three weeks now, <laughs> um, I know that I know that these three guys are largely going to be um, highly sought after by whoever has the number one pick or right. the number three pick. Uh, Jay Nivey, I'm kind of curious about him, but you didn't give me him. That's okay. We got some guards. No, yeah, we got um, a couple guards. We got a couple guards. Here's the thing: me being the Orlando man, uh, Orlando Magic general manager. I really want us to have another a number one option. We have enough side pieces on this team. We have the ancillary skill to, you know, have good secondary, tertiary playmakers. You know, we have good defensive-minded guys. I want us to go ahead and take Paulo Boncaro. I want a number one guy. I understand that he might not have the highest ultimate outcome of all these players, but I do think that even if he is, quote-unquote, only the third best prospect out of this class. I think that he helps us initially. And, you know, we might still have a chance of landing another guy, like, I don't know, like a Victor Wembenyama or a Scoot Henderson next year, you know, while we let Paulo kind of grow into his role. So, the Orlando Magic, we're going to go ahead and take Paulo Boncaro number one. Wow, I love it. The Paulo fan club guy on Twitter, you can finally get off our <laughs> backs for like 10 minutes. Um, and shout out to Rafael Barlow, you know, yeah. the NBA big boards. He's a big Paulo guy too. So on a, on a serious note, cause like I want us to now analyze it after, you know, I actually think there's a real chance Paulo could get back up here. Um, yeah. And this is coming from a guy that loves chat, but I, I've been very, intrigued. and I love Jabari. Like Jabari is yeah. my number one guy. So I've been very, very impressed and i wasn't sold on paulo the entire year i just was, he was always in my top three for everyone yep. listening like calm down um i had him for so i hate his guts yeah. <laughs> i usually had him at two the entire year so yeah um i've been very impressed with what paulo's done late at the end of the year he he showed way more patience it looked like he wasn't forcing the issue the playmaking he was finally getting this freedom to kind of be the ball handler like make decisions um almost run the offense a little bit. And and he just, it almost was like the game was slowing down a little bit. Like he didn't force shots. He, he waited for passing lanes to open up. And, and if that's the type of player you're going to get at the next level, I absolutely think Paulo is worthy of being the first overall pick and going to Orlando. Um, that would be a great fit. Like, Cause I'm right there with you. Like if they believe Wendell, I'm not saying like Wendell Carter, sorry, Wendell, um, is going to mm-hmm. shift you from taking one of these guys. But if they believe like Wendell could continue to do what he's been doing, put Paulo next to him, have Wagner right there on the wing, and then you got the stable of guards, I think that's that's a big step in the right direction. So I like that pick, Stephen. That's good. And they got some depth too. You know, they got Mamba, you know, as the backup big yes. on that team too. Jonathan Isaac, if he ever wants to play basketball again, you know, he might – he might be able to do some things, you know, Terrence Ross, another veteran. So still rooting it's one of those teams that they got a lot of dudes, but like none of them take them over the top. So I want to take the guy who I think from day one will have the biggest impact offensively. And that's why I think that Paulo might be that guy. I like it. I like it a lot. Okay. Uh, Houston. All right, so we have a, you're the we have general a manager now. Yeah. Hit me with it. We're, we're talking Houston Rockets basketball. 
Okay. So, Mr. General Manager, sir, you know who yes. our top guys are on the roster right now. We got Green. We got Kevin Porter Jr. I told everybody that Alperin Shangun was going to be awesome, and I was right. So now we gotta we gotta fill out this roster a little bit. You know, we got Usman Garuba. Regardless how I feel about him, I know that some other people like him a lot. Uh, I'm not necessarily gonna draft away from keeping him off the court, but I do understand that he could be an asset for this team. So what do we need, right? We need guys who can defend and who can space the floor. Jabari Smith Jr. can do that. I think that he could definitely help out. Um, he definitely allows you know, Shangun to be able to operate in the paint where he's the most effective right now. But if we want to kind of keep a high-low action going on, we already saw what Chet Holmgren out of Gonzaga could do with a guy like Drew Timmy who could score on the inside. And he kind of shores us up and gives us a defensive anchor. Now, here's a wild card for you. Okay. A.J. Griffin, uh, another guy who can play out on the perimeter, who can defend, in theory, could probably get a little bit better but is also one of the best shooters in this entire class too. So, And just to kind of preference this, I know that we have a lot of people that listen to us who are also like really big into prospect evaluations. A.J. Griffin might not be a wild card for you, but for the general population, him being selected potentially second overall would probably send a lot of shockwaves, right? So those are our three. Who do you want to go with? Yeah, so I need to admit that I kind of messed up on the first pick already with not throwing a wild card out there, but it, it's the top three guys, so yeah. cut me some slack, okay? Like, everyone would have been like, really? You're not going <laughs> to involve this guy? So Houston's going to be an interesting one because uh, the Jalen Green, you know, experience lately has been awesome. Um, I'm yep. glad everyone didn't fully give up on a raw rookie that you know in his first playing, year in his first year that's playing with a really really tough team um and for rockets fans listening tough team is a compliment because you just had a great draft class but you're playing with a bunch of young guys a, a team is a rebuilding team and they're on the right path looks like they had a great draft you know houston is is interesting um aj i really am intrigued with because i think he's got some star power but i think this would be a little too s- sweet for me right now if I wanted to target AJ I'd probably try to move back maybe pick up another pick um but as of this lottery we we're going to be picking 13th too so I don't know if I'm going to swing and we want one of these top three guys sure um Jabari's a, an interesting one here because I think a lot of people I haven't seen him to Houston a lot um and and this could be you know if we're believing in Shangun this could be a really nice wrinkle next to him. Um, a floor spacing guy that, you know, can be a catch and shoot weapon. Um, mm-hmm. If you think about maybe him and Jalen Green kind of grooming together, that's a really fun duo, um, especially with the floor spacing ability. And if we think Jabari's got this defensive upside that he looks like he has, that could be really unique, really special. Um, but Chet just really you know, the idea of pairing Chet and Shangun really intrigues me. Um, I know every Rockets fan hearing this is like, no, this is exactly what everyone's doing, but I I can't, you know, I'm speaking as me and as the GM, I can't get over the idea of Chet and Shangun together. I think that would be just fantastic fit for both of them. Um, Really good basketball awareness, really good, just, they would be unbelievable communicating on the court. Like they, they both have the ability to 
read what's going on before it happens. Now I know Shangun isn't the defensive prospect that, you know, Chet is, but that doesn't mean that Chet's ability can't make Shangun better or Shangun's ability to read the floor can't help each other out. So right. I think with that combination and, and you could also kind of play them together. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with Chet Holmgren at, at number two. We're going to, we're going to draft the thin man. The thin man's coming to Houston. We're going to feed him some barbecue. He's going to put on some weight. We're going to be good. <laughs> we're going to hook him up with some purple drink down in H town. It's going to be awesome. The Venus fly trap with the, you know, the, uh, the European MVP. It makes a lot of sense, man. I like the, the cool passing wrinkle that this team could have. Yeah. You could have either one of those guys operate inside or out because Shangun, although he's not necessarily like a knockdown shooter yet, I don't think that it's going to be out of the question that he doesn't develop a reliable jumper. And then you could run some cool like guard cutting actions with, you know, a, a Porter Jr. or a Green or Josh Christopher, who's having a couple of really good games as of late as well. So I, I like it a lot. And he gives this team something that they desperately need, which is some sort of semblance of a defensive identity. So uh, being able to deter people from attacking the basket, a guy who could run the floor with Green being a trailing three-point shooter. We saw that he can do that in spades at Gonzaga. I like it a lot, man. You know what's interesting? like, And also like pairing Shingun's passing ability with Chet. Mm-hmm. Um, my gosh, if they threw like... <laughs> they ever could th- run a high low or something like an NBA or horns action. Oh yeah. Horns, horns action or, would be awesome. If you had like Chet popping off of pick and roll and then get there. Oh, that would just be really fun. But the more I talk this out, the more I'm, and now we're just open micing it. The more I really do think like Jabari there is a really intriguing like wrinkle. Like if, if you put him and Jalen together, yeah, like Jabari it would be nasty. Yeah, it, it could be a very bold swing to be like, we're taking Jabari over Chet. But the idea of Jalen taking a humongous sophomore leap and having Jabari shooting those shots from outside at 6'10". Oh boy, it's that, crazy that, because <laughs> it feels like a swing, but we're talking about a guy who is considered a number one pick, but he's one of these guys that were... If we don't take him number one for whatever reason, we want to take him at three or four. Right. Taking him second, like, just hasn't been discussed very much at all. And Houston is one of those teams where it's like we're penciling it. It's like last season, right? Where we were saying Jalen Suggs is going to be a Toronto Raptor, hands down, because they're losing Kyle Lowry. And then they ended up doing something completely different and it actually worked very well. So I think that Houston, it might, it might not be as of a sure thing that they do take chet holmgren because everybody thinks that he that he's going there yeah i agree with you um all right detroit basketball, basketball. that was am cool. i selling am i selling now okay here we go yep i'm in all charge right. we we wanted one of the top three picks one of them's on the board still jabari smith we've, we've talked about him enough so i'm not going to bore the listeners but you know Jabari, Kate Cunningham, pick and pop, mm. really exciting. We might be able to put Jabari next to Isaiah Stewart. That's some defensive upside. Boom, that's number one. See, I'm going to keep them short and sweet now. Now we're, now we're getting cooking. Option number two, um, Jaden Ivey, a running mm. mate alongside Cade. I'm sorry for all Pistons fans that are still holding on Killian Haystock, but Jaden Ivey gives us another dangerous, dangerous transition weapon that – really has star upside and 
pairing him and Cade together could be just electric magic for Pistons fans like all over the world. So there's number two. Wild card. I can't wait for this one. Keegan Murray. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Keegan. Um, Iowa forward, one of the most productive players in the country, really could have the highest floor of guys that are going to be probably in the top seven picks. Um, just handles himself the right way, really mature, um, always locked in, can really shoot the ball from outside, kind of like Jabari. They have that ability to, to stretch the floor from really deep. And he's also shown some really impressive defensive tools as like a shot blocker, but just was productive the entire year. Um, he's a year older. He's the same kind of age or no he's excuse me he's the oldest of the three prospects Jaden Ivy and him are sophomores but Jabari was a freshman the youngest one of the group so there's my three okay Keegan Murray is very interesting to me because he he's only a sophomore and everyone talks about him like he's 100 years old that's yeah, a he's a fifth year think, senior to a lot of draft fans yeah I think that they're believe Good it or guy. not I do think that he could actually get better from his first basketball game in the NBA. Call me crazy, but I think that there might be a little bit of improvement that he can that he can display over his time in the NBA. Um, but I don't necessarily think I want to take him third overall okay. with with a lot of holes that need to be filled on this team. And I'll do I think that he does have some upside. I might want to go home run swinging, which not saying that Keegan Murray can't be a home run in the right system, but this is this is going to take a long time. You know right. what I mean? Like Detroit is going to take a while. Um, Ivy, I have Cade Cunningham. Ivy, I feel like is going to be one of those players that if I'm drafting Ivy, I want him to be a point guard. That's just me personally. I do think that there is a large contingent of people who think that he is going to be an off-ball guy, and he's shown that at Purdue, and he's been successful at it. He's a good three-point shooter. Uh, a really good three-point shooter that really doesn't get talked about a lot. I do see the athleticism upside there, but I think if I'm wanting to groom Cade Cunningham as like my my hands-down top guy, I don't want to get him a secondary ball handler just yet. I want to get a guy who I know can complement him, who is going to be on that same timeline, and who could end up being the best player in this draft class, that being Jabari Smith Jr. He's going to be the way that I go. I think that you can run some fun pick and rolls, pick and pops with this team. Sadiq Bay is still there, so you can run some really fun lineups with Bay, with Smith, with Stewart, and with Cade. That's a lot of size. That's a lot of versatility. That intrigues me a lot. I think Detroit would be very happy with Jabari Smith Jr. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know Detroit fans are going to, you know, drive themselves insane trying to figure out which direction they should go because you can go in a lot of directions right now. Um, that's kind of the good part about getting the number one pick last year. Looks like yep. he's going to be a superstar. Now, how do you, how do you build around him? And you're, you're going to be right there again. Um, you know, even if Detroit, you know, I know right now they're set to pick third, but say they got to two. Um, mm-hmm. I still think Jabari could be the pick. I, I, I really, I really like his potential transition and role with that team because I'm selfishly a big Isaiah Stewart fan. I think Stewart could almost be more impactful with a guy like Jabari kind of next to him. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you add Cade with that size and length that, and then 
the pick and pop potential with Jabari, um, the potential for Jabari to be an offensive weapon. Like, yeah, that's, that's legit. The Ivy thing is so fascinating because it's one of those puzzling debates at the top that um, I'm right there with you. I, I, I get the idea. It would just make me nervous because I feel like at the beginning of the year they were in this is summer league where I know you're wrinkle like sprinkling with stuff. You're probably trying to build some confidence with guys, but they were like playing Kate off the ball. And then I think eventually they realized like, okay, what are we doing? We got to give them the ball. Yeah. So I don't this know if I star. Want, yeah. yeah. I don't know if I want to do that again, potentially. Um, and I, I'm like you, I think Jaden's going to need the ball in his hands. And you're going to have to invest a lot of time and, and, you know, possessions with him doing that. Right. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm there with you. I think, I think our top three is pretty good so far. So I, I think Jabari would be a home run swing, like in a good way. I think that's the yeah. right pick. If you're a Pistons fans, like you should be rooting for Jabari. I know Paulo, if he's there, um, even though I Paulo said I makes wasn't going to talk to anyone. Well, um, the Pistons, like, like these other two teams, I think that they would be happy no matter who they got. You know, I think that there's an argument, especially with Orlando, that you could argue a certain player away, maybe even with Houston. But Detroit, with a a guy who can command the entire offense, who we know already can run everything, you're just looking to get him a complimentary piece. You're not going star hunting just yet like you would be with Orlando or potentially Houston. Yeah, and Isaiah Stewart, Jabari, Sadiq Bey, Cade, that's getting nasty defensively in a hurry. That that is putting some pieces around. Um, so yeah, I, I would really, really like that pick for the Pistons. We got OKC next. Yeah, are are you the GM here? Are you Mr. Presty? You or are I, Mr. Presty. I'm Mr. Friend. Presty. Oh, yes, sir. I cannot wait to hear the wild cards. This is going to be great. I, I want to just give you three wild cards because you're Sam Presty. But <laughs> all right, and he so, won't take any of them. <laughs> yeah, right. So. Let's go ahead and get the the top guy who I think a lot of people are kind of curious as to why we're not discussing him a lot more yet. That being Jaden Ivey. Okay. Um, I'm not going to lie to you, Mr. Presty. I don't necessarily love this for us in the fact that we have a lot of guards already and we know what happened last season. We really kind of hurt SGA's feelings. Um, I don't know what your intentions are, Mr. Presty. Um, if he's going to stay on the team, I don't know if... We're looking to maybe flip him to get more draft picks, but if we're looking to eventually potentially start building a roster, I don't want to upset SGA because he's a borderline all-star and we've already, and we've already paid him the max, right? So Ivy is the best player available. If you're interested in that, if that is your philosophy, because we're not a good team, you want to take the best player available hands down right now. It's Jaden Ivy. All right. So another couple players that you can get, I'm going to break the rules here. I'm going to give you, Count them two wild cards. Okay. The first one is Jalen Duran. Um, okay. he, he might not be a wild card depending on who you are. But if we want a guy who can set some just jar, you know, jaw jarring screens, who can get some really good looks from a guy like Giddy, who could run alongside SGA in the open court, who could potentially be top half of the NBA at his position. There's a lot of value in that. So even though there is a contingent of people who say, oh, well, you don't take a center this high. Well, I would argue we already drafted at Holmgren, so we already broke that rule. So why not go ahead and take a, a Dern here? And then if you really want to get crazy, let's get after the mystery man, Shaden Sharp. 
Let's go ahead and do it right now. Let's go ahead and get the the guy who hasn't played a lick of college (laughs) basketball yet, who everyone is saying is a top five talent without even touching the floor against higher level of competition. There's no expectations playing with Oklahoma City. We're playing a bunch of G League guys. No offense to G League guys. I'm not saying that they're not talented, but we're not putting our best foot forward right now already. So why not go ahead and we got a lot of picks after this. So let's go ahead and take shade and sharp and see what we got in him steven you really hit me okay now it became personal you're really throwing um some curveballs at me yeah let's do it um so here's i here's my disclaimer i understand that Jaden iv is the best player on the board right now i get it mm-hmm. um i'm i'm sort of tying in my personal bias to this pick or or my Sam Presti evaluation. So I get Ivy's the best player on the board, but you know, I, I, I just signed SGA to an extension. If I believe that he's going to be here long-term, I also just swung on Josh Giddy and hit, and he looks like he's going to be a potential star with alongside SGA. And I also took another guard that looks like he's going to be a serious asset for our roster in Trey Mann. I understand, again, Thunder fans listening, draft fans listening. <laughs> I understand Jaden Ivey is the best player probably on the board right now. But I don't know if I'm going to add four guards. Um, that we have to, to manage get... personalities here yes. too, right? Like we're not just taking talents, we're taking people. Right. And... and that's a lot of guards that need the ball in their hands. Josh Giddy's gifted playmaker. He can play a little bit off the ball, but he's magical with the ball in his hands. SGA needs the ball Lou in his Dort hands. Playing, yeah. playing guard too. Yeah, exactly. Shout out Lou Dort. So we're not going to go that route. Yeah. Yeah, guys. I hope you're still listening. Mm-hmm. I'm going to change this up and we're not going to go that route. Um, Shane Sharp is really if you haven't been watching them i'll get we'll give you the quick education for anyone that might not be heavy on the draft um extremely talented prospect that went to kentucky he enrolled in the middle of the year didn't play a game um and if you go watch him in high school you understand why people are still talking about him as a potential top seven pick good size pogo sticks for legs um, really shifty, scary, explosive, and a beautiful shot. The tools mm-hmm. are all there. I'm not going to be surprised if he does test the waters like it sounds like it's going to happen, and, and he goes and lights a gym on fire at a, at a workout because there's some really, really serious tools there. But he is a little bit of a wild card at four. I mean, he is the definition of a wild card um, at four. Jalen Duran is someone I'm starting to come around on and it's just because of the second half of the season, kind of how that light switch was coming on. Um, And, and I know this could be a little rich for some people like this would even be probably a little rich for me, but I could see Presti being that guy of saying, this is the swing I want for a big guy. Um, We have another couple picks later. We can add, to the rest of our roster, you know, let's take the swing on the super, you know, the star upside because Duran, you know, he's six, six, 10, six, 11. I know people are like, he's not six, 11. Okay, whatever. We'll <laughs> see what he measures at six, 10, 250, built like a brick shit house, jumps out of the gym. His hands are 
really impressive. He catches every damn thing thrown at mm-hmm. him. Um, so the idea of Giddy having pick and rolls with him and just saying like, throw it anywhere near the backboard and he's probably going to throw down a one handed slam. Um, I like that. So I, I'm going to be bold because we're getting a little crazy with this one. And, and I'm tired of seeing the same thing with every mock draft. <laughs> and again, I understand Jaden Ivey might be the best player on the board right now, but we're going to have fun here. I'm going to take Jalen Duran fourth um, because I just think OKC's got to leave this draft with some front court help. I understand yeah. that I'm the biggest, like I'm, I, I promise your honor, I am the biggest, best player available <laughs> advocate of all time, but I want to have some fun. Okay. I, I want to think a little bit outside the box and educate people about what could be the curveballs or what could be the options. So there was my rant, Steven. Now I'll let you talk. I'm sorry that I just talked for about 20 minutes. Oh, no, it's okay. Actually, you're about to have to do the talking because now, since I sold you as the general manager at Oklahoma City, you now have to sell me for the Indiana Pacers. Oh, boy. You didn't You didn't want to... I thought you were going to go nuts about my Jalen Durant. You didn't want to discuss that at all? Dude, so I, I threw him in there. I left out your boy because I know that he's going to be coming up next, but... Jalen Duran makes a lot of sense to me, you know, for a lot of the reasons that I laid out. He's a guy that you can run the pick and roll. And one of the skills that he has shown all season long that a lot of people have started to come around on is his passing. So not only is he a guy that can finish, but he can extend a possession too. You know, if he's going to be a physical guy, think of a guy like, you know, Dwight Howard. We've seen comparisons, uh, a Bam Adebayo one that I like but hasn't been discussed a lot of like a DeMarcus Cousins before he was hurt. You know, a guy who, if he starts rolling and dominating and he has the build, he has the physicality, he's not one of these guys that you say, well, if he just adds a little bit of strength, like this dude is already ready. If he can start dominating and attract attention, I trust his passing. We've, we've already seen a number of whip passes that he's displayed coming out of Memphis, you know, some some pretty Nikola Jokic-esque type over the head without even looking at his player that he knows cutting behind him. You know, he has great feel uh, paired with that physicality. He's super young. That second half of the season stretch that you were talking about might be just him going from, I'm supposed to be figuring out who I'm going to be taking to prom to now I'm playing at the NCAA tournament now. I think that there's a lot of growth because of the accelerated development that he's had to show. I love it, man. I think that he and Oklahoma City... Again, it might be too high for a lot of people, but at the end of the day, what do we see with these redrafts that people always love to do is that, okay, sure, like I have this philosophy, I don't take a big man past this X amount of picks, but if he's the best player, he might end up being he might end up being that best player available that you were talking about with Ivy. It's not set in stone yet that Ivy is going to have a better career, right? So I, I don't know, man. I think that Duran makes a lot of sense here. I mean, I, I'm, I love Ivy. So it's not like I'm going up oh, against me. Too. Like, yeah, it's not like I'm saying like, oh, get, no, I, I just, <laughs> we're trying to get a little away from the consensus of everyone doing the same thing. Like I get, these are probably going to be the top four picks, but why not educate ourselves about, you know, the outside options? And um, if we see what we've seen with crowded backcourts is eventually like it gives up. Like we say, we'll look at what Oklahoma City did previously with the last backcourt tandem that they had, well, that only lasted a season. Look at what Sacramento just went through when they had a load of backcourt and they drafted more backcourt. They ended up trading their best backcourt player away because they were so crowded, right? So it doesn't last long. Like the idea of like, oh, well, we'll just have like a whole crap ton of good backcourt players. 
that really doesn't last long, especially when they're young. Like Utah is the only team that I can think of right now that has three really talented guards that they have kind of playing interchangeably with one another. But they're also Mike Conley Jr. and Jordan Clarkson have been around for a while and have been in some bad situations. So they understand that they have to play in a system and they have to give way to a guy like Donovan Mitchell. None of these guys know that yet because they're all young and they're playing on a team that doesn't really have a lot to prove yet. Completely agree. Completely agree. Um, I know I talked forever for the Jalen Duran thing, so I'm going to try to keep this <laughs> short with Indiana so we can get rolling. Um, okay, Indiana Pacers are on the clock at number five. The first four picks have been Paulo Bencaro, Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith Jr., and Jalen Duran with the curveball. Mm. Um, so Indiana, um, we, we made a big trade. We traded the bonus. We got Tyrese Halliburton, who's my prodigal son. I love you, Tyrese. Um, we've, we've got some interesting pieces. Um, Miles Turner is still going to probably be on our roster. Um, you know, we, we took Chris Duarte last year. It looks like he's going to be a really solid piece for us. There's been some rumblings about Malcolm Brogdon, if he's going to be on the roster next year. So we're, we're probably in a, in a best player available situation too, but we could also use probably some backcourt help. We could mm-hmm. also use another front court person, or we could use some wing depth. We need, we need a we need a hit on this one. We need to get a sure. good player. So, um, Jaden Ivy is going to be your number one option. We've talked plenty about him. Electric point or electric guard for Purdue that really can do some dangerous things in transition. Um, please stop with the John Morant comparisons. Let's knock that please off. Stop. <laughs> um, but really, you know, took some strides from his freshman year, especially when it came to his outside shot. He just has the ability to take over a game with his explosiveness. So he could be a really nice, you know, running mate with Tyrese. Um, Option two is Keegan Murray adding to our Mm. front court, getting a, a, like I said before, high floor forward that, you know, might pair really, really well with Halliburton, kind of how they can be aware on the court and their basketball intelligence. He can space the floor. He can be a really good running mate also down low with Miles Turner. They might play off each other well with their defensive shot blocking ability. The wild card. I'm not going shade and sharp. Okay. The wild card is going to be Benedict Matherin of Arizona. I love I'm trying to throw him out crazy. And for everyone (laughs) listening, I'm doing this on purpose because Steven is a diehard Benedict Matherin fan. He really, really what are we even doing? Still talking about this. Let's (laughs) just get Matherin. I'm just fine. fine. No, but you know, I, I, we could have gone sharp or AJ Griffin are probably the more realistic ones, but I'm just trying to throw out a fun one. Um, you know, Matherin, Arizona guard, really, really, you know, competitive, um, some, some good strides this year from his freshman year with the Wildcats can really shoot it from outside has some, some defensive upside, but he's going to need to be a little bit more consistent with his, you know, his motor Um, when he's locked in and engaged, he can really defend, but sometimes he can get called bot wall. Oh, he can get caught ball watching. (laughs) Shout out guys. I'm on a roll tonight. There we go. Um, So that's probably our three options. Mr. Gillespie. Well, as much as I love Benny Matt, I don't think that I'm going to take him here because of the guards that we already have on this team. I think that's Um, fair. I love him so much, though. I'm really conflicted because 
I know that a lot of people are going to scream at me if I don't take Jaden Ivey. But Keegan Murray is really hard to ignore here because who has the higher upside? Ivy. Who's who's probably the best player available? Ivy. But again, if we're talking about how loaded the guard depth is on Indiana right now, forward makes sense. But we also need to star hunt uh, for Indiana right now. I'm conflicted, man. I'm gonna go Ivy for the for the fact that I think that um, Brogdon probably isn't gonna be there. You can only be rumored to be traded for so long before that actually happens. And I think that Ivy is gonna be one of those guys that we've we've already seen what Halliburton looks like playing off of another guard already with uh, De'Aaron Fox. Uh, that might not be too crazy of a comparison between Jaden Ivy and De'Aaron Fox, by the way. Um, although Fox is already a better passer. I'm going to take Ivy because he's best player available, but I hope you understand, Rucker, that it's really hard for me not to go Keegan Murray, but I think that better star hunting right now would be Jaden Ivy, but Keegan Murray makes a lot of sense on this team too. So we're going to go ahead and take, we're going to go ahead and take Ivy reluctantly. I mean, I get it. Um, I, I think that's the right call. Uh, you can't, if Indiana was on the board and I love Keegan Murray, probably more than anyone in the entire world, including his brother. Um, I, I think if, if Ivy's on the board at, at five and Indiana's on the clock, they got to jump at that. Cause that's, that's too big of a swing of star power that if you hit on that one, that changes things in a hurry for that Pacers organization, that team. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Ivy and Halliburton can play together right away, it's like, oh my gosh, that would be so electric. So I get it. I think Keegan to Indiana would be probably one of my favorite fits. Oh, dude, it's, top it, 10. it makes yeah. way too much sense. Yeah. Too. And, and I know Pacers fans might be like, no, we need to swing for Keegan Murray can fucking play. He's my friend, yep. but um. So I think that would be an outstanding fit for them, especially Keegan Murray and, and Halliburton would be great. But, you know, it, it, the potential to get Ivy and Halliburton as your backcourt moving forward for years to come is just too juicy. So I'm, I'm right there with you. I get it. And we don't need to go too crazy into detail about that. So, um, all right, you're, you're on the clock, sir. Um, hit me with so, – uh, we got Portland. First, yep. uh, first of two picks. We got sixth pick and 11th pick. And I know that you've already told me not to ask you on whether or not Damian Lillard is going to be on this team. So I'm going to draft. Uh, yes. Yes, he is. Okay. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we, so we're going to still have Damian Lillard, which is good because I don't know if there's a, a another guard that's really going to affect my decision here one way or the other, especially since Ivy is off the clock now. So from Portland and we are, we need grownups in the room. We need players who could come in day one who Damian Lillard can look at in their eye and say, okay, you're my guy. I'm going to roll with you. Let's go ahead and throw out first the aforementioned Keegan Murray. I know that he's your guy. um, And to be frank, I have him a lot lower on my board than you do. But if I'm looking at team need, I think that front court depth is something that Portland has always struggled with. Um, You know, we've saw what they look like with guys like Mo Harkless, with guys like, you know, Alfred Camino. I think that Keegan Murray is a lot more offensively savvy than those two are. And I think that he has the 
defensive potential to be just as impactful on that side of the ball as they were when uh, Portland was, you know, contending, you know, year in, year out for playoff runs, uh, deep playoff runs. So Keegan Murray makes sense there to me. I'm going to go ahead and throw out uh, Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin, another guard who I think uh, whether or not Simons is going to come off the bench or start, I think that Johnny Davis could play alongside those guys easily. Uh, and he's a guy who has a grown-up game, and he might remind us of a former Portland Trailblazer, Mr. Brandon Roy, albeit a little bit shorter. And then another wild card is going to be my guy, Benedict Mathern. We know about the established um, you know, play that he's shown this season in Pac-12 play. You already spoke on him. I just think that there's more to his game than what we've seen so far at Arizona because of how deep and um, you know, well-rounded that roster is. I think that there's more to his bag. So for right now, we have Keegan Murray, Johnny Davis, and Benedict Matherin. This would be the absolute dream situation for us is if those three guys are still on the board and we're picking six. Um, I like all of them a lot. And mm-hmm. this is not just general manager Tyler talking. This is Tyler talking as draft evaluator. I think all those guys could be fantastic additions for Portland, whatever direction they wanted to go in. Um, I think those guys would all be really, really good pieces to the puzzle. Help out Dame a lot. But we need a guy that's probably going to be the safest fit that could potentially give Dame a boost right away. And our roster is just an island of misfit toys right now. We have a couple pieces, but we need everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Matherin a lot. I think he would be a very good fit for Portland if the board ended up some different direction. He was there. I'd like that fit a lot for him. Um, he could space the floor. He's tough as nails. He competes his ass off. That'd be great. We have Johnny another David. pick at 11, too. Yes, worth putting out. Yep. Never pick at 11. Um, Johnny Davis, same story. Um, more of a mid-range guy, but I believe that the outside shot will come along eventually. I agree. He's tough as nails. Dame would probably love him because of his competitive nature, and they would do some good stuff. But I think he looks like of, a trailblazer too. Yes, you know. Yes. Um, I think that might be kind of going back to what experiment they just got over with with CJ McCollum in a weird way. Fair. Now I'm not saying that he's going to be CJ McCollum, but you're kind of inviting that same exact principle, but a little bit bigger wing. I think I, I'm going to go Keegan here. Keegan Murray would be pretty much like Portland fans. The front office might, I might as general manager do a backflip if he was still on the board. <laughs> um, it would just be a, a heck of a boost down low for us. He can space the floor. He can, he's smart. He, he plays both ways. Give us a boost defensively. Could be a pick and pop demon with Dame. Like that's just a really, that would be an absolute home run for Blazers fans and for Lillard, he would be very, very excited with that. So, yeah, um, let's go Keegan Murray there. Yeah, and, you know, a guy who could give you weak side rim protection and Portland needs a lot of help on the defensive side. And, again, we mentioned that we got another pick coming up at 11. There's going to be some guys that fall, you yes. know, like we know that. So there's a lot more guards later on at 11, I would argue, than there are going to be forwards, right? So depending on how your philosophy is, you probably take the the better 
forward early if you're Portland right now, based on the way that your roster is and based on the way that this draft is probably going to shake out. All right, here we go. We're getting we're we're about to get real fun now, Steven. This is the toughest job. I don't know how I'm still the general manager, but you're I Monty am. McNair. Monty McNair is on a roll. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Let's go. Um, Sacramento Kings are on the. I clock. just traded our best player. What's up? <laughs> Pick number seven. You got Sabonis. <laughs> We've got Sabonis. We got Davion Mitchell. Looks like he's starting to hit his groove and looks poised mm. for a big second year jump. We got De'Aaron Fox for now. Um, Harrison Barnes. We got Harrison Barnes, but we we need a lot of help. We 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 gotta get yeah. out of the lottery. We we're here every year. So option number one, Johnny Davis. We we just talked about mm. him. Um, you know, Wisconsin Badger, humongous leap of production from his freshman year to his sophomore year. Kind of more of a mid-range guy, um, but really underrated defender, just tough as nails. So that, that's option number one. Um, option number two is Duke's AJ Griffin, who okay. give us kind of, you know, we got Harrison on the roster, but AJ could kind of give us a little bit of a swing for star power, but he can really shoot the crap out of the ball. Um, his dad played in the NBA for a very long time. You know, that's kind of just like, he's the physical NBA built wing that has a lot of upside left in his game. So there's option number two. And the wild card here is we're going to go back star hunting with Shaden Sharp. We're going to throw him into the conversation. So those are the three, Johnny Davis, AJ Griffin, or Shaden Sharp. Okay. We'll start with Shaden Sharp. Oddly enough, and people might say that I'm crazy because I think what Sacramento does is that they get into this, we're going to star hunt, but we go about it kind of the wrong way. And we saw, you know, Marvin Bagley not really work out on this team. And then he goes to Detroit and, oh, crap, like all of a sudden he looks like he's could live up to that potential. You know, Halliburton played really good, but, oh, crap, we're going to trade him away. Um, and we bring in an established presence like a DeMontis Sabonis, who players can play very well off of him. Harrison Barnes, you know, NBA champion, you know, has been established in this league a long time. Darren Fox, despite how people feel about him, borderline all-star. I don't know if I necessarily want to add an unknown like a Shaden Sharp on this team. I think, and people could argue against this, but the NBA is a business also, you know, and I have a lot riding on every single game to secure for my job to remain secure. So Shaden Sharp, probably not going to happen. AJ Griffin, another guy, young, true blue freshman. The medicals are a bit of concern for me, right? So I don't know if I, if I want to commit to that, uh, his he's built as a three and D guy. Me watching him a lot lately on film, the defense is kind of scary to me, and I don't know if that's him trying to work his way back from injury. But I'm evaluating him based on what I see. The defense isn't that strong. With that being said, let's add Johnny Davis. Let's get right. Okay. Let's get crazy. Let's get wild. Let's add a grown up in the room. Let's add a guy who I know is going to leave it out on the court every single night. He's going to be happy to play in Sacramento. That's a big deal. I don't feel like Johnny Davis is going to be one of those guys that's like, no, I want to go to a different team. We just saw what he did in Wisconsin. He leaves it out on the court all the time. He's a star player for his team, plays like a bench guy. He's diving all over the court. That's going to be infectious. You got to add winning players. Again, we just traded Halliburton, who I felt that way about in his draft class. 
We're going to go ahead and do the same thing, though, with Johnny Davis. He's a winner, and I need winners if I'm Sacramento. I love how much you're saying we need a grown-up in the room. It might be my favorite Stephen phrase of all time. Um, but yeah, T-shirts uh, are on the way. <laughs> no, I, I like Johnny going there. I think would would make Sacramento fans happy in a hurry. That's the guy that his mentality would probably pair pretty well with Davion and Darren Fox. Just get another grinder with some serious offensive upside. I mean, he could be a very very good weapon to keep adding to the stable. I, I think Sacramento is going to be interesting because I think. You know, Monty McNair has been shifting with kind of like the analytic side. He used to be with Houston for a really long time. You can kind of see um, leaning that way with some of his stuff. And it, it'll be interesting because I do think Sabonis, the the acquisition of him makes this pick a little interesting because yeah. do you want to get a, a floor spacer around him um, or do you want to kind of just keep adding, you know, solid players and figure it out as you as you go on. So I, I think Johnny would be the best player available right there. He's highest on my board um, at that pick. So I, I'm right there with you. Um, All right. Ahead. So you are now on the clock as the general manager for the New Orleans Pelicans. And we are also trying to compete for a play-in tournament. We have too much talent to be in this position. We don't want our team to be moved Uh Kendrick Perkins shout out saying the Pelicans should be moved. So here's the thing. We got, we got plenty of offense, Mm -hmm. but maybe just maybe we need to start adding some two way versatility and potential on this team. The first player I'd like to bring up is Benedict Mathern, who we just spoke about a lot. I think that he is going to be a plus defender at his position. And he's going to be a guy who can play off of McCollum, who can play off of, you know, Zion, if he ever decides to play and Brandon Ingram, the second player I would like to bring up is the aforementioned AJ Griffin again, who can spread the floor, who might be able to play defense, who um, has that, that, you know, connection, you know, the DNA, the history, the family playing in the NBA, coaching in the NBA, things like that. The wild card Dyson Daniels out of the G league. I knew it was coming. I knew it. I saved it. I was really (sighs) wanting to bring him up for Oklahoma city. But I refrained myself. We're going to bring him up here four picks later for the Pelicans. And he's a guy who can help with playmaking. He's a guy who over the season has shown that he can shoot the ball. And like Maxwell pointed out on the last episode of No Ceilings TV, this was a fantastic point that I don't think it's discussed enough. We we make a big to-do about the three-point percentages for these prospects playing for the Ignite. They're having to deal with an uptick in competition along with an extended floor. So I don't think that that gets discussed or gets enough you know, credit for how difficult that is. So um, what we've seen from Dyson, he can defend, he can handle, he can shoot, he can pass. Basically anything that you would want on this team, him and Herb Jones is very intriguing to me. So we'll uh, we'll leave it at that. What do you got to say? Um, We're getting ugly now because uh, I'm really starting to – if I go a couple ways, this mock's going to get off the rails in a hurry. So I'm still a big fan of Matherin. Um, really like his game. I, I, I could see him going a couple picks earlier. I could see him being on the board when we're picking. I think he's just kind of similar to CJ. Um, and I don't know if we're going to play them together. Okay. Um, so he would... Like the upside would be there, but I also, we just, 
trade for CJ. He's going to be here for extended time. We got Brandon Ingram. Like, you know, so that seems awkward to me. We're going to, I'm going to go a different direction. Um, AJ Griffin was your second nomination. Yep. AJ really intrigues me because, you know, although we took Trey Murphy last year, who I'm personally very high on still. I love um, TM3. AJ would be like adding another wing in our rotation that could really shoot the ball with, with some really good upside. He could kind of be groomed under Brandon Ingram, um, kind of, you know, play a couple positions if needed. So that's another intriguing one, but still a little awkward. I'm going to go Dyson Daniels. I'm going to shake yeah. things up. We're going to get crazy. It. Um, Let's go. You know, Daniels has, I, I still believe Daniels is going to be a guy that could go much earlier than we're thinking. I, I think some front offices are going to be absolutely in love. I uh, just turned 19. Rumor is he grew another inch. So everyone can freak out about that. He's supposed to be around six, eight now, but the strides he took, like you're saying, Steven, the strides he took as, the year went on when it came to his outside shot are just like incredibly impressive. I think he ended the year like in the 40, 40 um, shooting split range mm-hmm. um, mid forties, excuse me. But so, I mean, like it, it took a big leap and really smooth plays under control. He has playmaking potential. He's one of the better perimeter defenders in this class. Um, yeah. We're going to go with that. And, and, you know, a, a really solid player that doesn't need to, you know, score 30, he can be really yeah. impactful with rebounding. He can be impactful with his playmaking ability and, and getting people open. I, I like that addition for the Pelicans a lot. Yeah. I mean, you're adding another toolsy connector piece on a team that has offensive engines already. Like you have your star, you have your secondary, you have your third score. What else does this team need? They need guys who can defend and who can scale and make life easier for those stars. And you have a Herb Jones and a Dyson Daniels on this team. That's nasty. You know, you have Jonas Valanciunas on this team, who is probably the most unsung center in the entire NBA, who doesn't get enough credit for the things that he can do. I, it makes a lot of sense to me. And not, uh, not only that, but he has the, the potential to be better. He could grow into like a third or a second star on this team, but there's not that pressure added to him to be able to do that automatically right so i i don't know man he and herb jones on the court together is just just like that's like draft nerd you know fetish right there you know just having both of those guys i love it yeah well i mean and if zion comes back then you got you got brandon ingram you got you know daniels you got cj you got zion you got you know Jonas. you got some size you got some length you got some toughness so um be interesting but okay san antonio <clears throat> I'm not going to go too crazy with the sales pitch because we're getting some some reruns of prospects still on the board. But here's my three, okay. and I get I think you're going to be able to guess them pretty well. Um, Shaden Sharp's going to be number one because you know San Antonio. Although we have a lot of wings, we you know this one's a real swing. Like if he played, we might not have had a shot to get him um, at ninth overall. So Sharp's one. Um, Oh gosh, now I'm going to give you curveballs. Okay, Hit me um, with them. I'm ready. AJ Griffin's going to be number two, but you know another thing is we we got a lot of wings. Like I just said, we got Devin Vassell, mm-hmm. we got Kellen Johnson, we got all these guys that um, we we have to kind of get away from that. So we're either going to have to trade one of them or um, just keep adding until one really hits. 
Um, oh gosh, <laughs> do it. No, I don't want to. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to put you in a tough spot. And then the third one is Benedict Matherin. <laughs> so you got three wings to think of because we have to get one of them off the board. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to give a big breakdown of all no, these guys. You know what? Already... I'll, I'll take one back. Can I take one uh, back? Yeah, I guess I'm so. going to take Matherin back and I'm going to throw Jeremy Suhan in. Hmm. Which that is completely... my extreme wild card. I'm trying to get a little crazy. So there you go. I'm not going to lie. That that changed like in my head. All right, so here's the thing. AJ Griffin, I love him, right? We have so many guys that can do what he offers on this team already. You know, and, and plus we, we're developing Josh Primo to be our version of a Giannis Antetokounmpo. Right, right. Potentially, Which is why right? I took so, Matherin back. <laughs> yes. All right. So we got Primo. We got Vassell. Uh, you know, we've got Gianta Murray. I'm going to go. This is, this is just for fun anyway. So I don't know why I'm sweating this. Let's go shade and sharp. Let's go shade and sharp. Let's go crazy because Primo is a guy who was taken higher than everybody, including myself thought. Uh, I like shade and sharp. I don't love shade and sharp. But I think a lot of teams are going to. And like and what sold me on this, Tyler, was you saying he might not be here had he played basketball this season. Right. The fact that yeah. we could get a guy who might be a top five, even top seven talent at number nine, that's huge. Because although it's only like four to two picks later, that's substantial because you're not necessarily expecting to get these guys this late in the draft. Uh I know that's not really like the R.C. Buford way and it's not the Popovich way, but it kind of is lately, right? Like we see them getting these guys um, later. So I think Shaden Sharp potentially having star power with Primo and him, like that's the route that I want to go for the Spurs. I, I want to go star hunting right here. Yeah, I mean, 6'6", going to turn 19 um, the end of next month. Jumps out of the gym, probably one of the better athletes in this entire class if he's in it, and he's got to be a full outside shot. I think he would have been a top five pick if he played this year. I, yeah. Santa, <laughs> I know they have a ton of wings. I understand every Spurs fan listening. I feel like we've done 900 mock drafts of giving them Jalen Duran, and trust me, everyone listening, we always get to it and be like, why are we always giving them Duran? What other way they could they go? But they have so many damn wings, but you get to a point in the draft where, you know, it, it's worth the swing. If if the Intel checked out and San Antonio was on board, I understand they took Primo. I love Primo's upside. I love Devin Vassell. I love all those guys. They Keldon have Johnson. Yeah. Keldon Johnson. I, I'm, but like Deontay Murray having Shaden Sharp running alongside him on the wing is just horrifying and would get people really excited in a hurry. So I'd, I'd like that pick. I think that's, that's a worthy swing. Um, Okay, let's move on because, you know, I'm talking forever. And I know a lot of people are having fun, but I don't want it to be for okay. like a five-hour thing. Uh, Wizards, right. go ahead. Yeah, so with the Wizards, we got guys that we already talked about. We got Benedict Mather and we got A.J. Griffin. I want to introduce... I want to bring in Mark Williams into the conversation oh, because they do really have... That, did you? They do have centers, but they don't have any that I think are like irreplaceable. And I think Washington's defense is so bad. How bad is it? It is so bad 
that it would not be it would not be crazy for them to be looking to add a defensive anchor the only one left within this range that's on my board so we've already broke down griffin we've already broke down matherin adding the acc defensive player of the year adding a guy who's a shot block master adding a guy who is a 70 percent field goal and free throw percent shooter who runs the floor very well and is a vertical lob threat uh, I want to put that in there because I know how much you love him. So I wanted to make your decision a little bit more difficult. Yeah, you're really, really <laughs> kicking me in the balls here. Um, I, I just, we're getting crazy with this one. I don't know why I'm sweating it like you are too. Um, because I understand. Just because we care. We care. Well, I understand the best players on my board right now are, are screaming at me like, what are you doing? Take them. But. Um, right. Mark Williams really is intriguing here because I think this is the this is the range of the draft in which I think Mark Williams officially starts to leak in mm-hmm. or lurk in the back of your mind of like it could be surprise Mark Williams territory. I like Matherin to the Wizards a lot. Um but I don't know the role. Um, because it's just like you have Beal, um, kind of until that's finalized. I can't add a guy that literally, like, someone's gonna say he's gonna play the three. I don't think Matherin's gonna play the three. Like, I've heard I don't like him at the three either. No, I think he's a shooting guard. Um, some people have been like, he's big enough to play the wing, and I'm like, no, I don't, I don't think you want him playing the three. So, I'm ruling that it kind of negates it negates like how good he could be on both sides of the ball if you're asking him to de- to defend and play against like the best talent in the NBA. Yeah. Um and then your other was AJ. Yeah. AJ's really intriguing here. Um because his skill set fascinates me. They need a three too, you know. Yeah, and I really do want Mark Williams because it would be a really nice piece for our defense and he could probably help us out a lot. This is a good debate. This is a good, good three. Yeah. I'm proud of you, Steven. Thank um, you, sir. I would probably lean Mark Williams, but mm, the emphatic, but I'm going to go AJ Griffin here because although I love Denny, although I love a lot of pieces they have, I think AJ could come in and be like early on a rotation guy that just, let him catch and shoot and, and be a, a gamer. And maybe he's ready to go sooner than you think. And, and that's just a nice wrinkle to have like Danny playing the, maybe a small ball forward sometimes or, or whatever. But AJ's upside intangibles, that's adding another really good talent to that core to, to continue to groom with. So yeah, if AJ is on the board at 10 um, and the medicals check out, of course, like I, I think that's probably where, I would go best player available and take him because I really would like that fit. So as much as I love my boy, Mark Williams, I'm going to go AJ Griffin there. I'm I'm proud of you for the restraint there. And, you know, they have Kyle Kuzma on that team as well. They have, they have some talent, you know, um, Chris Ops Porzingis is on that team. Adding a guy. Maybe we should have taken Mark Williams then. (laughs) Sorry. Well, Well, they got Daniel Gafford too. He's the guy that like, when I was thinking about Mark Williams is like, they have Daniil Gafford, but is is Gafford like enough to stop a team right. from drafting a guy like a Mark Williams? So that was kind of the thought exercise there. 
I just think adding a reliable three point shooter could be the best shooter in this class. Like he, I think he gets left out of that conversation a lot. You know, someone who can make life easier for the the top end talent on this team. Um. Okay, we're Portland at eleven. We are. We already took Keegan Murray at six yep. to steal the draft. Um. I'm gonna give you three guys. I'm gonna give okay. you Benedict Matherin, who we've been talking okay. about for four hours. Um. <laughs> I'm going to give you Ochai Abaji in Kansas. This is difficult. And then my wild card is going to be Mr. Patrick Baldwin Jr. I knew you were going to go there. Yeah, I I was thinking about going a couple other places, but let's get PB&J some love. Everyone loves a good PB&J. I mean, it's classic. It's when you're hungry and you don't want to work too hard, you just grab PB&J. You know, that's what yeah, you do. it's like the sixth man of needing a, a good meal, a quick meal. It's like, oh, crap, I didn't pack the kids lunch. <laughs> Let me make a PB&J real quick, right? <laughs> um, PB&J, we already talked about the Blazers needing guys who can help Damian Lillard compete. Like, that's what he wants. One, he wants to stay in Portland by all accounts. And two, he wants to win by all accounts. So, Adding Patrick Baldwin Jr. is kind of more of a home run swing that I would love a little bit later in the draft um, for other teams, but not for Portland. Um, Ochai Baji, we know has the uh, has the relationship with the trainer and with you know Damian Lillard, but ultimately Benedict Matherin is like way too talented. Um, yeah, I, I would I would be flipping out if he fell to eleven in real life, um, and I know that Portland would be flipping out if he fell to them. He just does way too much. Uh, he's a guy that we were talking about at six for this team, but saying that someone's going to fall in this draft. Lo and behold, it was the guy that I was that we were talking about taking at six. We have him here at eleven. Portland is running to the podium with this pick, and they're running to the bank laughing the whole way with Murray and Matherin. I agree. Um, I, I think if Blazers fans left with Murray and Matherin, they'd be probably going to the bars that night being very excited about life um my wild card here would be what if they took mark williams even with keegan i'm surprised that you didn't bring that I, up i was the moment I was after i was like that. wait i should have put mark williams in there that would have been a real debate but hey th- there you go there portland fan there's a an extra wrinkle to think about um that would be a fun draft too if you left with mark williams and keegan but i think getting another wing mate like Matherin, the upside and yeah. Keegan, you'd, you'd be doing a backflip. So, um, right. okay. All right. So, the New York Knicks. New York. All right. So, it doesn't matter who we draft here because Coach Tibbs isn't going to play them. So, we know that already. So, we can just get crazy here. Uh, all jokes aside, uh, I love you, New York Knicks fans. You. And they're so angry that we just took Matherin one pick before them. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, guys. I was trying to keep them as long as I possibly could, but. You know, sooner or later they got to trade up. Um, they do, and and what we're interesting what, names on the board. Here's the thing: we're not going to do what everybody else does. <laughs> I know everyone's ready for Ty Ty Washington to come up. I'm not bringing him up. Yes, uh, good. Tyler, no it, point guards. I don't want to hear a point guard. Tyler, it doesn't it look up. like it looks like you and I are on the same wavelength when it comes to Ty Ty Washington being a guy that you just have to draft because you need a guard. So let's just pick them up here like there are other ways to get guards although right. new york hasn't figured that out yet Jalen um <laughs> yep there we go Jalen brunson here's here's what we're gonna go i'm going to say number one 
we're going to say Oshai Baji. I think that he's a guy that could play well next to RJ Barrett. I think that, you know, Barrett's a guy that we want to obviously have the ball in his hands. We want him to be kind of a creator of sorts. We just saw all tournament long how Oshai Baji can be a deadly shooter. He's also a really good defender. I think that he's the type of player. He's an older um, college player too. So maybe that helps his playing time with coach Tibbs if he is going to be the coach on this team. So he's going to be the first guy. The second guy that I would like to recommend on this team would be Jeremy Sohan. I would like to bring him up because Julius Randle doesn't look that happy. Uh, Obi Toppin could probably even share the floor in a lot of ways with Sohan because New York just doesn't have a traditional lineup. I know our guy Corey um, at No Ceilings has brought this up with Sohan too, is that New York doesn't have like a – like a streamlined, cutting-edge, contemporary player on their team. They don't have a lot of versatility. They got a lot of one-position players on that team. Sohan could be like the first installment of like a new-wave modern player that can play multiple positions because he can defend multiple positions. You trust him to put the ball on the ground for a couple dribbles and make passes, and we know that he's going to compete on both ends of the floor. And here's the wild card. New York loves their stars. We know that. There's not a lot of guys that have star potential left, but Jaden Hardy came into this class with a lot of buzz, potentially being a top five talent. We both love him. He's We both have him within the lottery on our boards. We know that the G League has put him in a lot of positions to play outside of his comfort zone, and he has actually met that um, tasking from that team as the season has progressed. And if you are going stars swinging, There are a couple of names that I think that might be able to, if you squint hard enough, you can kind of talk yourself into it. And the first one on that list with the remaining names has to be Jaden Hardy. Oh boy. You really put me on the spot. (laughs) Steven knows what he's doing now because he's just picking guys I am very fond of (laughs) and putting them right in the... I'm fond of them too. Oh boy. Um, So... We'll go one by one. Sohan would be really fun. And and I think Knicks fans hearing that name would have been like, Suhan, excuse me. Suhan would be very fun. And I think Knicks fans hearing him would be like, no, what are you talking about? We can't. We, we got Randall. We got Trey. We got Obi. Jeremy might take two weeks or two days in a Knicks uniform before they would be like, oh my gosh, this guy's awesome. This guy's yes. fucking great. Like it's almost like if you took a time machine and got like the nasty physical defensive forward and stole them from the 1990s and put them in the modern day, but also said, now you can shoot from now you have the potential to potent, like shoot from outside. And Everything Pat in. Riley said you can't do, you can yes. start doing now. Now you, know? you can start doing that. Um, he's got a long way to go. I'm not trying to make him seem like he's, you know, the, the next revolution of versatile weapons, but you know, I really, really think that would be a fun, really aggressive curveball. Ochai makes a lot of sense here. Um, and I know Knicks fans hearing this are like, uh, I don't know, older. Ochai would be a very good fit because he could play off RJ. He can shoot the shit out of the ball as a catch-and-shoot guy. He'd be a great floor spacer. He's tough as nails defensively. He, he gets after it. Um, I think that would make the most sense 
but I'm not going to make the uh, most sense right now. And Tibbs would probably because have you're a running heart the Knicks because I'm running the Knicks and we're going <laughs> streaking. We're swinging for the fences. I'm taking Jaden Hardy and he's going to shoot the shit out of the ball at Madison Square Garden for years to come. I don't care, Nick fans, if you think I'm crazy, we're getting wild. So, yeah, mm. I'm a believer in Jaden Hardy. I've been on that island all year. He took the biggest leap of competition without any prep like some other guys do going to the G League. Um, and, and they put the ball in his hands to, to develop him as a ball handler and decision maker. He started the year with some tough turnovers. It progressed. It got better as the year went on. And then he ended the year, he was averaging over 20 a game. Um, and, and he can just shoot the shit out of the ball. So some team puts him in a position where it's go back to playing off the ball and do what you do yep. best. Now you worked on this part of the game. We're going to let you run wild and, and do what you do best, which is coming off screens, moving without the ball. Um, they could put the ball in RJ's hands and, and let Hardy be a spot-up guy. And he would be Bingo. awesome. And so... You know, that's my pick because I believe in, in Knicks fans. I want them to have nice stuff. And Tibbs would probably break three office chairs because <laughs> this isn't a defensive guy. But, hey, we're, we're going to get the Knicks some shooting. And, and Hardy has the potential to be one of the best shooters in this draft. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot that has been made of his ball handling. Uh, his right. defense has a little bit of a way to go. But if he hits, like he has the skill set that might be the most desirable in the NBA, you know, and you already talked about Barrett being a guy who might be kind of a, a playmaking forward. You know, he might be the guy on this team that sets up a, a Jaden Hardy on this team. And guess what? If for whatever, like let's just live in a world where Julius Randall uh, goes up to the Knicks faithful and said, Hey, I'm sorry. I acted like a butthead. Can you please forgive me? And let's just also live in a fairy tale world where the New York Knicks fans would be like, yeah, dude, it's cool. We know that sometimes we can overreact. Um, you're you're a good dude. Like we loved you last season. This year we hated you. Maybe that was unfair. Um, and you got Barrett and you got Randall on this team. This is a guy who could play alongside either one of them, you know. And I think that he makes a lot of sense. All right, we got Houston and Charlotte to end the lottery and one of the longest shows of all time. So we really appreciate everyone <laughs> listening to us, but we're just having way too much fun right now. And this is yep. fun. This is it's it's hard to rush this because you're you're breaking down multiple guys. So um, I hope I co-host Draft Deeper, so an hour and twenty is nothing to me. Yeah, so. yeah, we we know how Nathan can get on those. Shout out Nathan. Um, he's the best. He's gonna have some three hour episodes coming up. I know it. So I can't wait. It's gonna be um, awesome. Houston. Let's After do we it. took Chet. So we've got some options here that yeah. are pretty intriguing. Um, you know, we could go. I'm gonna I'm gonna get I'm gonna get nuts. Um okay. Wow, this is really getting down there. Okay, so option number one I'm gonna throw at you is going to be Patrick Baldwin Jr. Mm, okay. Um, you know, we got Jalen, he, he's going to look like he's going to have some serious, serious firepower next year. Um, he's got a deep bag and the bag is getting deeper. So we got Jalen, we got Shangun, but what if we give him another dangerous guy that could really be a, a catch and shoot weapon and, and Baldwin mm -hmm. had a bad year, but he has the upside to be one of the best shooters in this class, um, with great size, like six, nine. 
a lot of us at no ceilings are still believing in Patrick Baldwin. So PBJ right there with them. Um, so we took Chad at two, which makes the next couple picks a little interesting. Yeah. Um, the next name I'm going to throw out is Ty Ty Washington because we need a guy that could also run the offense. We need a point guard. We need a change of pace guy that Jalen doesn't have to do everything and have the ball in his hands all the time. I understand everyone out there, the Kevin Porter junior army is strong and is building the number of soldiers they have in it, but we're probably going to get away from that experiment and make him more of a a two. Um, So that's, that's option number two, the wild card. I hate all the options, but uh, the wild card (laughs) is you're really, you're really selling me here. Yeah, the, the, the wild card is if I guess it's not the wild card. So we'll make Ty. PB and J is kind of PB and J was my wild card. The wild card the real pick is um do we want to go best player available and take Ochai Abaji? So there's the three. But are we thinking of Abaji as being a potential wing that could play alongside him? Did we kind of do that dance last year where we added a couple of um players to the stalls um who's my who's my guy from asu the rookie that i absolutely love that I'm oh christopher i love yeah, josh, josh christopher, christopher. Yeah. so we kind of took that so do we want to add another one um but that's our three options we could either go best player available kind of go towards need um with those two other options so there you go i'm giving you some hard ones so i'm um, as much as i am a pbj guy too i still think that this is high for him um this is a team that we took Chet, so I think that kind of signifies that we want to take a step towards working our way up in the rankings. Steven Silas is probably going to want to be an NBA coach for a couple more seasons at least, so I'm going to go ahead and put PB&J back on the table. Okay. Ty Ty Washington makes sense as far as a team need goes, Um, but... I don't have him within my top 21 here that I'm looking at. Uh, and I know he's like right at the tail end of yours. And I don't think that we we just made this case with the Knicks. You know, we don't necessarily need to go need in the draft. So let's just go best player available and get Oshag Baji because we got Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green and Josh Christopher. I understand uh, Eric Gordon's on this team, but. I think Houston taking best player available at two. Um, We'll keep that theme going here at 13. We got two guys who can run the two and two guys that can run the three on this team. Um, I think that Ochai spurs the floor and makes the dynamic play of a Jalen Green a little bit more better. Uh, He can play alongside either one of the two aforementioned guards as well. And I think that if one of those other guys doesn't exactly work out, Ochai kind of makes more sense than a, like a Chris Duarte type role on this team. Yeah, it's not fun for Rockets fans hearing this, but I do think that would be yeah. probably one of the best picks. If they left with Chet and Ochai, you'd be pretty, you'd be added some really damn good pieces uh, because yeah. they're still so far with a rebuild. Like, yeah, I understand you took Christopher, but Abaji could play the three and him and Jalen Green together would be nasty. They're really competitive, you know guys that will just get after it on both sides of the floor 
just like we talked about with, before we made the Knicks pick, like Avaji playing with Jalen Green, he could play off him as a catch and shoot guy. Yep. Um, and then it just pairs well. You you keep adding assets and kind of figure it out and add more pieces to the puzzle, and it'll get clearer as you keep moving forward. But I think that would be a step in the right direction. Um, and he can cut off Chet and Sangoon, who are both terrific passers too. Yeah, like he's an excellent cutter. Yes, exactly. Um, okay. The last one, Steven, Charlotte. All right. So, yep, the hive. Let's go. Um, So, starting off with the aforementioned and oftenly mocked to this team, uh, exhaustingly mocked to this team, but it makes a lot of sense. Mark Williams. Um, The previously mentioned Jeremy Sohan is kind of like a versatile combo forward to this team who can add defense and versatility to a team that needs both of those. And then my wild card is going to be Dalen Terry out of Arizona. I think that adding a guy who can play the one, two, or three at the next level, a guy who can defend his absolute butt off, helps him out on the perimeter, spaces the floor. Um, We've seen him at Arizona play big games. We've seen him as a complimentary player. Um, Still a lot of room to grow. And I think that he and Lonzo would be a very fun backcourt, very tall, fun backcourt uh for for charlotte so those are my options a really good wild card now for everyone listening dale and terry still got a good chance to go back and probably explode as a lottery pick next year um but there's always some crazy things that happens this time of the year so until we find out that the no ceilings crew is going to have as much fun being a hypothetical dream of dale and terry somehow entering this draft I'm expecting he's going back. Um, That's kind of the buzz. So, and no pun intended with the Hornets, but Hey, look at that. I do like um, the idea there. Steven wrote that on a list and I was like, why did he throw Dale and Terry in at the very end? So I kept waiting like the last four (laughs) picks for you to throw that. Um, Terry just, we, we have, we have other needs, so I'm not going to go down that road. Although I do really, really like, him as a prospect i think i love him so much yeah he's 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 awesome um so unfortunately i'm throwing that one out i hate doing this but it it is the most obvious so i mean so suhan suhan would be really really a good wrinkle for charlotte yeah um i know probably some hornets fans will be like we just had the pj washington kind of like the undersized forward that but suhan would be the defensive playmaking like guy that really can do some stuff i've had like the terrible comparison of saying like he's a poor man's or he's just he's an extremely raw boris dl so there it goes some hornets like bobcats faithful shout out bobcats i've compared him to andre karolinko as well so yeah so you you get how crazy like versatile he can be that kind of like gadget guy that every team Mm -hmm. that wants to take the next step almost needs a weapon um, X, if you will. And I, I hate to do this to Hornets fans, but it, <laughs> it, I want everyone to understand like how perfect and good of a fit. Like it, it would be Mark Williams. If yeah. he was on the board, that pick might get turned in 30, you know, half a second before they're like, okay, Charlotte's on the clock. Charlotte's picks in like, it would be everything they need. They've been needing a big for years. I understand everyone's going to be like, you know, another guy we didn't mention that I thought you were going to throw at me was Tari Eason. Like, I know everyone's going to be 
intrigued with those type of weapons. But if Mark Williams is on the board, um, oh man, I, I would be like, just take him. Like he'd be perfect. Yep. He'd be a Lonzo or he'd be LaMelo's best friend. I'm sorry. I just read a thing about Lonzo. So it's stuck in my head. Um, <laughs> And he would just give them a, a nasty guy inside that's like, okay, just plug him. He's going to be able to do exactly what we want him to do. And everything else is going to keep rolling. So I'm going to go with Mark Williams there. And I'm sorry, Hornets fans. I'm trying to get outside <laughs> the box. But just looking at what was on the board, like, um, you know, I, I don't think they're going to go Patrick Baldwin Jr. I don't think they're going to um, – like Malachi Branham, I, I think that would be a little Mal- Malik- Malachi Branham. Gosh, I the no ceilings crew gives me shit because <laughs> I've been saying it wrong the whole time, and they didn't tell me for like three weeks. So everyone you haven't had me on the show in three yeah, weeks, so, so you know. Nathan was like, "Oh yeah, I knew you were saying it wrong since the beginning," and I was like, "Why didn't you tell me?" And, and he's like, "Well, I, ju- I just thought it was funny." So yeah, everyone's picking on me, but um, no. And then like, I think Kendall Brown, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense there. Um, EJ Liddell, maybe a wild card, but like, I don't know. I, EJ Liddell on that team kind of looks a little nice too. And you mentioned nice. that you, you said that I did. Tari Eason is the highest available on my board, but as much as I like love players, sometimes the way that the draft, you know, a, like a mock draft and a big board works out is sometimes you can have a guy ranked higher, but a team might not have that need or it might be just a very deep position in this class. And I think kind of that combo forward or like a four or five man, uh, not saying that Eason is like anyone who could play the four, basically, theoretically, that's pretty deep in this class, you know? And it's, it's really hard to imagine that everyone is going to draft a four, you know, within the lottery, uh, despite how deep and how talented that position might be. It's just not the way that the world works, unfortunately, you know? So we have to, go off of team needs. We have to go off of who's already established on these teams. And Tori Eason just doesn't fit yet for me on any, I mean, maybe on some of these new Orleans Pelicans where we went Dyson Daniels or San Antonio Spurs, where we went Shane Sharp, you might could imagine him in one of those spots, but these are real conversations that front offices are having and they're deliberating more than just three names that we brought up and, they probably aren't thinking who's a wild card that we can go after, you know, you know, while right, we're right. drafting here either. So a lot of different ways that teams go, but this was fun, dude. I had a lot of fun. No. And, and I think you're spot on. It's like everyone listening might be like the draft would never go that way. And it's like our big boards look drastically different than this. I yep. promise you I've seen Stevens. I've seen mine. Like we would probably have guys going way earlier, but this is also a fun exercise of being like, if this guy goes here, the whole yeah. board could be thrown off where it's just like, it happens every year. Like you hinted earlier, Steven, it's like one guy falls or one guy goes earlier and the whole draft just goes batshit crazy. And it, we've seen it happen before. Like um, last year when Giddy went, none of us were ready for it. We were like, Whoa, yeah. okay. And then all of a sudden Zaire Williams going to wh- where he went at 10 everything just goes crazy. And then everyone keeps tumbling down and you're like, wait, how is he still on the board? What's going on? And, and it can happen, which is why yep. it's always like, I think it's important when you do these mock drafts towards the closer to the draft, which I'm hoping maybe we do this with no ceilings is like, you should have those mocks where it's like, here's three options. 
and, and here's where we think they should go. But here's the three options or three names that they probably will be considering because you got to be ready for for anarchy because yep. that's what the draft is. That's what draft night is. That's why we all love it. And um, you know, looking back, I'm laughing because everyone's gonna hear this and be like, "Holy shit!" But <laughs> there's definitely like guys that I would have been like, "Yeah, he should go early." Like Jalen Duran, probably not gonna go fourth. If he does, yeah, give us some credit. Um, Jaden Ivy goes fifth. You know. Uh, Shane Sharp falls to nine. Like a lot of stuff could go drastically different. Do I think, I think Tibbs might actually fight the entire front office if they were going to take Jaden Hardy. So, <laughs> right. Um, like there's a lot of different stuff that could happen. Trades happen, but um, this has been a blast and, and I appreciate everyone listening still. Um, I don't want to rant too long. So Steven, if you don't got anything else burning on your mind um, in honor of Metcalf not being here, what's, what's the best thing you've seen in basketball this week? College, um, pro, anything. I just think the uh, the story about what was going on with um, Coach Bill Self out of Kansas, which yes. it was talked about a little bit, but is kind of overshadowed by a lot of other stories that were going on in college basketball. And it was just cool to see, you know, everything that happened with his father. That what was it, January? January that that his uh, father passed away. You know, me being a dad, obviously having a dad because I'm a human being. Um, you know, having a dad, being a dad, seeing stuff like that is hard for me not to watch moments like that and not get emotional. And it kind of veers away from a slam dunk or a step back three or a really cool defensive play. But stories like that are, you know, it reminds us that they're not just assets out there playing basketball or coaching basketball, that they're human beings and much like us, that they have problems and have to overcome adversity and things like that. And, Amen. you know, Again, no no knock against Coach Davis. I, I've been kind of beating that drum too. You know, what he did in his first year would probably also would be like my one B for coolest thing that I've seen. But, you know, seeing Coach Self, you know, along with, you know, Ochai Bozzi embracing his family right after the game was pretty emotional and fun too. So that, those were the best things that I've seen in basketball, the human element of being a basketball enthusiast. That might have given Rafael a run for the best – um final what was the best thing you saw that, that's up there because I, i'm right there with you i i don't mean to be buzzkill i understand coach k's like final games were a big deal um but i thought the self thing needed more attention and yeah. you know he's the articles you've read his comments like he's talked about like how this team means so much to him because they've helped him throughout that and he's like this team will always have a special this was before they even won the title yeah. He was like, this team's going to have a special like place in my heart because of they lifted me up when I needed it. Um, and, and they played his tell off for him, too. Yeah. And I, I know it got some coverage. It's just that stuff needs to get pushed more. Like we need the feel good stuff in basketball to get pushed more. We need the human element. I don't care to hear 900 times that it was Coach K's last game. And I'm sorry for being like, Ebenezer Scrooge right now, but like, I get it. Everyone gets it. We, we, I understand coach K incredible career. I absolutely have the greatest respect for him. Like, um, amazing job at Duke. He, he was always, you know, he won gold medals. He, he coached some of the NBA greats in the Olympics, but you know, we, we always look to these guys as basketball, like as, as superstars, as celebrities, but it, it, it's like you said, Steven, like we got to remember these guys are human beings and yep. They go through some shit 
just like me and you are going through shit or, or anyone walking down the streets going through some shit. They have real world problems too. And just because they're gifted with um, athleticism and they can shoot the shit out of a basketball and it got them to places in life doesn't mean that we need to like forget that. So I, I'm right there with you. Um, if I could also um, yes. kind of veering off uh, a shout out to, uh, you know, Jonathan Sharks, who, you know, yes. one of my favorite draft analysts, everything that he has going on with himself too, with the uh, medical stuff, he's pretty open about it. But even though he's open about it, I don't like to talk about other people's uh, medical things, but, you know, listening to, you know, upside high with him and a, you know, man on that team, listen to how open he was and transparent about his condition, you know, his relationship with his son, you know, his, his uh, story about how he got to be where he is. It's really cool and inspiring, but, you know, just, also, another really cool thing is, although it's in the midst of a, you know, a tough time for him, how just how awesome he is at how he's handling everything and how open and transparent he has been. Uh, it hits me again, you know, being a dad and him talking about his son. Another thing that, you know, human element of things, even dra- draft, you know, evaluators as well. So that was another kind of co awesome thing that I saw. Yeah, well, I. I... I got to listen to that episode. It was probably one of my favorite podcast episodes I've ever listened to. Um, yeah. So shout out sharks. Like we're all thinking of you and um, I'm not going to go too into detail because I don't know how Steven held it together there, but that was a really good episode that you listened to. If anyone hasn't listened to it, go check it out. Cause that'll put your life into perspective. Um, when you, when you think you got some shit going on in your life, you know, there's always, things could get worse. And, um, I know everyone's yep. real pulling for charts and we, we hope everything ends up well, but, um, yeah. Um, I'll be quick with mine. Best thing I saw in basketball was Hubert Davis with his sideline speech. Um, had me wanting to run through a damn wall, which is just another also element, just kind of explaining like what type of coach he's going to be moving forward. Cause he, he looked like he was going to, tear down the damn stadium if it meant getting yeah. his guys a national championship and it was so awesome i mean i was literally like relaxing on my couch like cool i get to relax and watch this game and then all of a sudden <laughs> like he he came on giving that speech and i was like oh my gosh i'm ready to roll let's, let's, let's get it so um <laughs> no it was just it was cool to see that and you could see why players look like they absolutely love playing for him so um yeah that, that's my best thing but um love it it's it's been a long one um thank you steven for coming on and and being a better you know person to talk to than uh, metcalf because he just keeps leaving <laughs> me for side stories no i'm kidding he's got some he's moving shout and, out to metcalf man shout out metcalf well I, I have a feeling we're gonna be having a special episode this week um with with a fun guest and we're gonna be talking mm. about a prospect that might throw a little curveball in uh, this draft class. So everyone's going to want to be listening to that because we're pretty pumped about our guest. but I was pumped about our guest for this one. So Steven, thanks for doing this with me. Um, Steven, go ahead, plug away. You know what, what do you got going on? Where can the people follow you? Yeah. So if you want to follow me, I'm most active on Twitter. You can follow me there at Steven. That's with a PH. So Steven G hoops. Uh, You can read my written work over at no ceilings, NBA.com. Uh, there's been so many good articles, dude. Like even before I was a part of No Ceilings, I, I read this stuff. So it's not me just kind of like smoking my own supply or anything like that. But uh, a lot of great work. I had my Weekend Warrior, my second piece came out covering Wendell Moore. I got another cool article coming out this upcoming weekend about a another unsung hero. 
And uh, I got a cool theme behind that as well. And, uh, you know, tomorrow, uh, Nathan and I are going to hit up Draft Deeper for a mock draft episode. So kind of similar to what we did today. You can catch that on um, Draft Deeper. And we're going to have uh, our buddy Maxwell from No Ceilings on there. And we're going to have a, a good time doing the entire first round. So if you thought this was long, the next one's going to be longer. But that's more great content that you get to listen to for all you draft sickos out there. So uh, Draft Deeper, anywhere you get your podcast, NoCeilingsNBA.com. Uh, follow No Ceilings NBA on Twitter too at No Ceilings NBA. And I don't want to keep plugging all the stuff that you plug, but our YouTube is also pretty dope as well. <laughs> no, I appreciate you doing it. It makes my life a lot easier. But um, no, for myself and for Steven, thank you guys so much for listening as always. We know this was a long one, but it was fun. And, and things are going to get crazier and crazier as time's moving forward. Um, I think we got almost less than two weeks until the draft lottery. So things are going to get really serious. Um, make sure you guys follow no ceilings, you know, everywhere you possibly can. We got the subscription service on our sub stack. That's no ceilings, Absolutely free. You guys get emailed content every single day. If you're not following us already, check out our no ceilings TV YouTube channel. Um, we've got a lot of highlights of prospects throughout the entire year that have been going up. Um, our next one's going to be Dyson Daniels. So that one should mm. be going up as soon as tomorrow while you guys are listening to this. So um, for myself, Tyler Rucker and Steven Gillespie, thank you guys for listening as always and have a good night.